This podcast is brought to you by the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities. It boosts our economy. It creates jobs. It even powers space travel. It's nuclear energy, and it does so much more than you think. Discover all nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Budget Tracker Extra podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress spends your money. Republicans advanced budget resolutions last week that are designed to grease the skids for a tax code overhaul. But passage in the Senate remains dicey as GOP leaders continue to scramble for votes. And after three hurricanes disrupted millions of lives, Congress has another installment of disaster aid to get passed. I'm David Lerman, editor of the CQ Budget Tracker newsletter. And with me today is Ryan McCrimmon, who covers the budget process for CQ. And Ryan, let's start with the budget resolutions that made headway last week. The House passed its version on a party-line vote. What would it do? The main function of this budget resolution is, as you said, to sort of pave the way for an overhaul of the tax code. So what this budget does is set up a tax process that would call for tax cuts that are deficit neutral. In other words, they don't add to the deficit. And it would also pave the way for about $200 billion in cuts to entitlement programs over a decade. So that is slightly, well, it's actually a lot different from what the Senate is proposing. The Senate has also marked up its budget resolution in committee, and they'll bring the budget to the floor later this month. And their budget actually calls for a tax overhaul that could add as much as as $1.5 trillion to the deficit. Obviously, that's a huge gap from the House's deficit neutral plan. And the Senate budget plan also does not include any sort of cuts to mandatory spending programs. So these are some of the big differences that the Senate and the House are going to have to work out before they agree on one uh, budget resolution to move forward. So which one of these do people think is most likely to prevail? I think most people think that the the ultimate budget that's agreed on by both chambers will be way closer to the Senate version. Uh, Part of that is just because the Senate is dealing with a really thin margin, uh, the Senate majority. So they basically what they can pass, what Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell can get through the Senate may have to be what the House will just have to swallow. And you've seen that sort of recognition from some from some key House members like Mark Meadows, who's a Republican from North Carolina. He's the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, which is this hardline conservative group that has been troublesome in the past. And he has said that he thinks that the final product of of some sort of uh, negotiation between the House and Senate will be much closer to the Senate version. So that's that's what most people think will will happen eventually. And Speaker Paul Ryan last week also said that he doesn't want to tie a tax cutting plan to entitlement cuts. Right. That's I mean, that would just complicate the tax effort even more. That could potentially turn away some moderate Republicans who may be inclined to support the tax overhaul, but may not want to cut some of these popular uh, entitlement programs. So I think the speaker probably acknowledges that they have enough of a challenge passing the tax overhaul by itself and they don't need to get into the issue of cutting mandatory programs. So that suggests we're looking at the Senate version, which is just going to be $1.5 trillion of more debt. Yeah, that's that's probably the most likely outcome, and we'll see how that plays. I mean, some deficit hawks may 
uh, they may not like the fact that it's going to add this much to the deficit. But again, everyone sort of has their own take on how much this will really add to the deficit once you factor in the economic growth that Republicans say will come along with these tax cuts. Right. Right. Senate Republicans do say in the end it's not going to increase the deficit because of economic growth. But for budget scoring purposes, we have to show a $1.5 trillion hole in the deficit. Right. And that's so. part of the debate is that you've we've seen some what some people might call some rather fuzzy math from folks in the administration and on the Hill about how much uh, the tax cuts could actually bolster economic growth that may even decrease the deficit, you know, bring in more revenue than they're losing. So uh, it's it's hard to know exactly what will happen because we haven't actually seen a real tax plan yet. We, we only have this outline, but um, we'll see. We'll see how much it ends up actually projected to add to the deficit. But now the Senate version still has to go to the full Senate for, for a floor vote uh, probably next week. Right. How is that looking? That shouldn't be a, a big hurdle. There are some senators who could be problematic. There's some question whether Senator John McCain from Arizona could be a holdout. He has in the past uh, tried to push for more defense funding. There's not a lot of defense uh, dollars in this budget resolution, though obviously it's non-binding. Um, but in the past, he's pushed for more money for the Pentagon. So we'll see if he tries to do that this time. Um, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky has been not thrilled with the the outline of the tax plan that, that came out recently. So he's been making noise about potentially opposing the budget or maybe just opposing the tax plan later on. Uh, so it's possible that there'll be some Republican opposition to the budget, but I think it's pretty likely that they'll adopt this budget, which will allow them to move forward at least, and then they can debate the tax plan itself as much as they'd like to. So we've got a big vote to look for there next week, and we'll be back right after this. And now, more from our sponsor, the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities and towns across the country. It creates jobs. It adds billions to the economy. It even powers space travel. Life as we know it wouldn't be life as we know it without it. And it's called nuclear energy. Yes, nuclear energy. Every day, nuclear energy helps us to keep our country running and moving forward. Discover all the things nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. Nuclear. Power. The extraordinary. And we're back now talking again with Ryan McCrimmon from CQ's appropriations team. And we're talking about a big vote next week in the Senate on a budget resolution. But first, this week, the House is scheduled to vote on the next installment of disaster aid. What is the White House requesting after these three hurricanes? Right. So the White House has asked for about $29 billion in additional relief for Texas, Florida, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, anywhere that's been struck by these the series of really major hurricanes that we've had recently. So what the White House is asking for is essentially more funding for FEMA, the emergency management uh, agency, and uh, they want some debt relief for the National Flood Insurance Program, which is deep in the red and is obviously, you know, facing a ton of claims from all the flooding that's that, you know, has just devastated Texas and Louisiana recently. They're asking for more money for those two things and then a small amount of money, about five hundred million or so for uh, wildfire suppression. While these hurricanes have been hitting 
of the South and the U.S. territories in the Caribbean, there's also been some really devastating wildfires out West that a lot of Western lawmakers have been, you know, trying to raise attention about that has sort of been overlooked recently. So $29 billion coming, but it sounds like lawmakers are already trying to up the ante here. Yes. So this bill is sort of turning into a Christmas tree, as these things often do. Uh, Mac Thornberry from Texas, uh, chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, is pushing for some funding for the Pentagon in here, specifically for missile defense, among other purposes. So he wants that to be included Included the, in the disaster aid package. Yes. I mean, once a, once a spending bill like this starts moving, lawmakers of all stripes try to get their own sort of priorities attached to this. He's obviously more influential than other lawmakers, so we'll see if he actually gets some Pentagon money in this bill. And then at the same time, the Texas delegation is asking for a lot more money specifically for the Har- Hurricane Harvey recovery effort. So... The, they sent a letter asking for essentially $19 billion more. And it's, it's unclear how pressing that is because there's some funding that's already been approved in the first uh, batch of disaster aid back in September that it's not even clear if that's gone out yet. So uh, it's, not really, it's not really clear to me if that funding is needed right away or if that could wait until the end of the year. But obviously these lawmakers want to show that they're doing everything they can to get the resources that their state badly needs at some point, whether it's right now or farther down the line. So the price tag is likely to keep going up and up. Disaster aid normally just adds to the deficit. It's considered emergency money. But could there be some pushback as as this keeps going? There could be some push for offsets, in other words, spending cuts to uh, offset the new emergency spending. But I don't think that'll be a significant factor. Some conservatives have some fiscal conservatives have said that they want to see some offsets. In other words, they don't want to just keep piling this new money onto the deficit. But I think most members will be supportive of a package, whether it has not, whether it has uh, offsets in it or not. Um, the Texas delegation, for example, there's a lot of Republicans from Texas who have long been some of the staunchest advocates for offsetting, for not adding to the deficit. And, that, you know, when it's their constituents who are the ones suffering right now, you know, they're going to do everything they can to get the resources for them, regardless of the math. So uh, I don't think that'll be a big issue. We'll probably hear some grousing about it from some Republicans. But this whatever package emerges for the next batch of supplemental funding, it's going to have a lot of Democratic support. And it's certainly going to have a lot of Republican support, if not um, not maybe not all Republicans, but certainly enough to pass. And this is not likely to be the last disaster aid package that we're going to see. No, in fact, the the uh, tab is only going to grow a lot larger. I mean, these first the first package was about fifteen billion dollars. The one we're talking about now is a twenty nine billion dollar request from the White House that could grow, as you as you said. But I think by the end of the year and maybe even early next year, we're, we might see some spending bills that are as high as 100 or even $200 billion uh, in long-term recovery. So this is going to be a huge, huge uh, spending issue, and it's going to continue for a while. Okay, so we'll watch for a big House debate this week on disaster aid and a Senate vote next week on its budget resolution, and CQ will cover it all for you, as always. Thank you, Ryan, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your Budget Tracker editor. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can keep up to date by reading your daily CQ budget newsletter 
And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and NPR One.